You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who inspire and intrigue me, getting into the journey of their lives, not just the most sparkly woohoo success moments, but what led them to these moments, the twists, the turns, the harder stuff, the internal challenges and external challenges as well. Today's episode is a special one because I am re-releasing a conversation I had in 2019 with Patricia Moreno. It was episode 30. I have been doing some re-releases of episodes recently, but this one is being re-released for a certain reason. Uh, This was the message that I read and I'm sharing with you, Patricia took her last breath with a big smile at 10.54 p.m. Pacific on Saturday, January 22nd at home surrounded by the people she loved. So Patricia has moved on, um, but she has such a large legacy, has inspired, empowered, and touched so many, including myself. So I wanted to re-release this episode. I also wanted to let you know there's links in the show notes. Um, Soul Camp at Home, well, Soul Camp, which is, uh, I knew of Patricia before her there, before Soul Camp, um, but that's when I got to meet her for the first time. They are leading a, memor- a memoriam of Patricia with lots of different talks, workshop, and um All the proceeds donated will go to Patricia's wife and daughters. So you can look at the show notes for those links. And then there's also a link to donate um, to the family ongoing uh, as yes, they have three daughters. So again, whether you've heard this episode before the first time or never before, whether you have known or heard of Patricia or not, trust me, this is such an amazing conversation. Um, I'm so glad I got to have it with her. Here we go. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because I, okay, the first time I met you, I had just, like, just, just, just moved to New York City. I was staying in a sublet until I found a place. And a friend of mine was like, oh, my God, you have got to get to Patricia Marino. Is that how you say your last yeah. name? Yeah. Intensity class at the Equinox Gym in Union Square. Yep. She's about to have a baby, like, any day, and she's still <sighs> teaching classes. You have got to go because I don't know when she'll be back. Like, so it was like seriously, like within a couple of days of me landing in New York City. Okay, go to this gym. And I don't know, I guess if she, I think she, I don't know, she maybe like got you to get me on your guest list. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, cause it was like whatever. So I went to this class. And the reason she told me I had to go and knew I would love it because it was you incorporating affir- affirmations, mm-hmm. positive affirmations into movement in your workouts. And that's how I knew this girl is because that we had both studied with Matthew and Tercy's Engelhart, who created Cafe Gratitude. And obviously their whole menu is affirmations right. and that we had a lot of work with that. And 
Yeah. So she knew I was all about that. We're like, oh, my God, affirmations and movement. And I was like, wow, like, duh. Yeah. How amazing would that be? I do have to go check that out. So you have done that was like that might have been like 10 years ago. Well, no, wait, how old is your daughter? Nine. nine. Yeah. Nine. There we go. I was like, I felt like it was a little bit less than 10 years ago. <laughs> wow. Time flies. So I know I'm so excited to then get into, I know you've done a lot since then, but also what got you there to creating a workout with affirmations? Mm. So I know you must have probably first started in fitness. Yes. Very good. Very good. Well, I started in fitness when I was about 16. But prior to that, like I, when I was eight years old, my mom put me on a diet. And that just changed my whole self level of self awareness. Because when she put me on the diet and her face showed fear, I, I call that the moment that I was indoctrinated into diet culture, right? Like the spell was cast. My body is not okay. And my weight equals my worth. Because from there, she started focusing on changing me, right? Change your diet, change your... And then with my mom, and my mom had 11 kids. I'm number nine. Wow. And I I always want to... say this before I get into the conversation is this is how the world was and still is, right? So this is not blaming. This is not uh, upset with her. This is not, it's just the way, if you look around, we still operate, right? The diet industry is a $60 billion industry where it's thriving. And so this is just, my story is not unique either. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm going to get back to it, like, jump in, like, yeah, I have my own, like, story. And even in other episodes or the last time my mom came to town, she was like, oh, you're looking so thin and trim, Trisha. And I froze Uh because I was like, I actually don't want to hear feedback from you about my body. And I was like, had to say that to her after I calmed down. And I was like, you know. And what I realized is I, my mom never put me on a diet, but she was always on a diet and she was always obsessed Mm -hmm. with what she looked like. Mm -hmm. And my sister, when I was like in fourth grade or maybe even younger, called me fat. And so then that started me on the, you know, like, okay, now we buy fat free food. And like, you know, I started in the diet culture, but, but also I said to my mom, you know, like I said, I was like, I don't want to hear, like, I constantly realize I've grown up like in this judgment of my body. And she was like, was that me? Did I do that to you? And I said, well, Yes and no. I said, yeah, you know, I think like you weren't, she never put me on a diet, but she also was like, I'm trying this diet, try it. And that's, you know, like, here, let's, we need to work out. We bought a treadmill, get your exercise, you know, sort of thing. So I think much different than your story, but I said, yes, but no, mom, because I don't blame you because that's what you were forced to believe. Like you were stuck in that, that you had to better yourself and your body because of like what that was going to mean. So like, I don't blame you, but like, yeah, you do have a part in it, but it's not your fault. Like same thing that I was like, cause then she was like, oh, is this on me? And I was like, no, like I did get some of it from you. And that's why I don't want to hear you comment on my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I still have some shit with that. Perhaps mm-hmm. I felt like you were constantly looking at me. Oh, she looks great. Look at her. Like even in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, congrats. Look at her. 
you know, Trisha's trim, like that it was like an accomplishment. Yeah. That, that well, she could make, take pride in or something too. And I was just like, this is just what my body looks like right now because I take care of myself. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even trying to be this size. Okay. Like, <laughs> anyway, like, so I know it's like, I want to get back into your story, but like, I totally get that. And I had to have my own like conversation with my mom in person recently. Like, I don't blame you, but yeah, I have some stuff on there, but it's also because you have stuff like you are, you are still right now. Talk to me about, I need to go back on my diet. Yeah. My mom's in, yeah. in her late 60s. It's a, this is, this is the world we live in, right? It's not like they just came up with this idea, right? We have been, this is the way that we've been brought up to believe that our, our beauty or our, our looks are our worth. And we now have learned to objectify ourselves. And we're just now, some of us, trying to break free from that. And what happened for me was diet after diet after diet. And I remember when she weighed me, I was 130. And then when I got to about 12, I was about 212 pounds. So, you know, I'm tall, but still, that's, that's a big girl. That's a big girl. And I was, you know, really, really ashamed. I lived with a lot of shame and guilt around food and around my body and then found exercise. And it was like, yes, like I, I was so happy when I walked into my first exercise class because I love dancing and could never do that. One, because I had 11 kids in my family and my mom was not shuffling us around. And two, uh, I couldn't be a fat dancer, right? That was my mind. And, right. But when I found exercise and I was oh. dancing and moving, it felt like, oh my God. Plus, I was already in that mindset of this will help me lose weight. This will help me not be fat. And I can help the, rid the world of fat, right? So I'm waving the flag of let me help rid the world of fat people. Like, because fat is bad. Because fat like, is There's something's wrong with that. Right. We're fat phobic. How fat phobic are we? If you think about, if you think about the, the, the stress that most of us feel around our bodies. And if the weight goes up or a size goes up, like I've been with a lot of people and including myself where that intense level of stress and fear is so out of proportion from what it seems like it should be that it's really life-threatening. It can be life-threatening. And when yeah. people have eating disorders and things, it gets to that point of life-threatening. Um, which I did. I got. I started binging wait, and per. Wait, so first of all, I want to go back to. Were you the only one in your siblings that no was like overweight? Were she doing this with other your mom? Were other kids put on diets and stuff yes. too? Okay. Yeah. So it, okay. Yes. But it's kind of like my older three sisters were, I literally felt like they were the Cinderella's and I was the ugly stepsisters. Like they were smaller and they were petite and I'm like big, I'm 5'10", size 10 shoes, you know, like right. it just felt like they had their own problems in their own head, but I couldn't right. see it. Right. So yes. And my sister, one of my sisters had an eating disorder and just like the whole thing. The whole yeah. 
And I'm guessing so, your mom was then also very focused on her own. Constantly, constantly right. on a diet, off a diet, on a diet, off a diet. The whole, our whole world revolved around, you know, are you wearing makeup? Don't wear makeup. Don't wear black all the time. Wear this clothes. Like the view of the, the body and the clothes and how we looked was the number one conversation. What, um, I mean, I'm, white and it was very much like that but did it have anything like what's your ethnic background like Mexican Mexican do you did it had anything like do you feel like she was actually focusing on that's the world and I don't think it's any different today no totally that's why I was like I I wasn't going to go because I'm like I never thought that but I was like yeah when you were saying that she was very much like don't wear makeup this like she was very much just like she had in her mind what we're supposed to look like, no matter who. Like, yeah, same thing. Well, you're 100 percent white or this, and it's like that. We do. We have like this is what we're supposed to look like. That's acceptable. We need to live up to this thing. Well, she believed that beauty gave you privileges in life. Yeah, which it does, and it does. <laughs> we have beauty privilege. Yeah. We have thin privilege. We have white privilege. Yeah, and That's when true. we beauty don't privilege. Our... Yeah, never when heard of that. Go ahead. When we don't see ourselves beyond our body, then what do we have, right? If we're not expanding our view of ourselves and we believe our worth is determined by our beauty or our weight or our size or our shape, then we're not even looking to explore those other parts of us, right? Because we live in a world where there is beauty privilege, where there is thin privilege, where there is white privilege. And that's just the truth. Yeah. And and we told this because companies want you to buy their products. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly saying, get ready for beach season. Don't go there. You don't want to have that cellulite on your thighs. You don't want to have those wrinkles. Color your hair. Buy this bag. Wear these jeans. Buy the perfume. Right? Because so we're always being sold to, but got to remember that the people that are selling us things, they have to create a sense of fear. And Mm. if you don't have this, you will be sad. You'll be, you'll be unloved. You won't have what you want in your life. And we are just birthed into this. And when you're young, your analytical mind is not formed yet. So you don't know, you can't say, no, that's not right. You're just downloading, 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 and it becomes your operating system because that's just what you have seen. It's inherited. No, it's so embedded. And I want to get back to your story, but you, since you're just touching on that, it's so funny because this past week, yesterday or no, Sunday, I had my first like speaking gig mm. since like soul camp. Oh, so wow. So long ago, like I was like, okay, kids, and I'm going to be like more back here. And now I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be up. But so I was like get, getting ready to say my talk, right? But then in my head the entire time that I'm getting ready for my talk, I'm coming up with, okay, I'm going to need to get a blowout. I need to get a like gel manicure. I need to have the best <laughs> outfit. I need to get my car washed because I can't let people – like people aren't even going to see me in my car. But like I can't have a dirty white Prius because then it was – because all of these things, they kept showing up like because I'm making up, I have to look this way. Right. And then that'll make me be worthy of being heard and seen on that stage. See? But I would catch myself and I'd be like, Trisha, are you really? Because I'm like, when am I going to get my nails done? Oh, I don't have the right outfit yet. When am I going to like, it was also for me now, like time and money contribution. And I had to keep going. 
my whole talk was about like the only thing that matters is what do you believe to be true. And so like what am I telling myself that I'm not going to be worthy of being heard and seen unless I have a gel manicure, that I'm not going to be worthy mm-hmm. of heard and seen unless my car is washed. And mm-hmm. so it was like how about instead of spending your time and money getting those things done, you go and do the work of I'm I'm worthy of being heard and seen. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I spent my time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was like, "Oh right. Yeah, take your own message, you know, like what are you believing right now? You're believing you have to do all these things, which yeah, they'll make me more presentable, which might make people pay more attention. But really, it was because then I was up there strong and I am worthy in being of heard and seen. Yeah. And I didn't well, get a pedicure and I have a dirty car and I had a whole like whole like, you know, like I have all this stuff and I still <laughs> I still made myself presentable, but <laughs> buying into consumerism, I have to do these things because that'll make me feel more enough. Well, it becomes our shield. Yeah. And so it makes us feel safe and we don't have to be seen, really seen, right? And that's yeah. the scary part right. because when you grow up in a culture where you have really, really on the deepest level, you've, you've come to believe that your value is what people can see, then mm-hmm. it sure as hell is scary to actually show up in any way that's not considered the norm. And unless we start doing that, things aren't going to change. And it requires a lot of vulnerability and it requires a hell of a lot of courage because you have to build the resilience and the ability to actually really, really take a stand for that who you are is enough regardless of what the world is selling you and that is freaking scary as all hell because bottom line what do we want we want to belong and we want to be loved and we want to be seen but but we don't really yeah yeah yep (laughs) and it's really an easy way to like just keep dieting you know five yeah or focus on on, yeah pounds five pounds just a little bit more and because we're so trained to view our value from our body that it takes a lot of time away from us developing ourselves mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. We do one leg of that. You know, I come from a fitness background where 99% of my day was focused around training my body and helping other people focus intensely on their physical attributes and how to improve that yeah totally hear you like i said i'm like i went through it in all so many things and that's what i realized i was like i could spend my time thinking about all the way i could alter my external it was same thing like i was like i need to work out every day this week so that i can be on a stage and i was like or i could spend my time moving through the doubts and fears that are in that was much more beneficial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also the other thing is we've so linked working out to weight loss, right? We have to uncouple that. Well, that's too. I did do the workout for how's it make me feel. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Rui. Say what you're going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like we have this kind of lens as women. I think that that we are trying to uh, enhance ourselves in a way that's not bringing value to our lives. It's actually causing us more stress. And the thing that, the line that I often use is, you know, we all are doing everything we can because we're hungry for love, right? We're hungry to belong, we're hungry to be seen. And we we really feel like that's something we need to get from the outside. So of course we would think that 
We need to mold our body and shape ourselves in a way that from the outside, people can see us as lovable or valuable. But it, it, it leaves us feeling bankrupt because the only love that's ever missing, it's A Course in Miracles line, is the love that we're not giving. And self-love is not about changing yourself. It's about changing the thoughts you have about yourself. And we don't work on that. We think if we change the body, that will lead to changing the thoughts we have about ourselves. But it doesn't. It only changes our body. The body is never the problem and the diet is never the solution. And rearranging our muscles so that they, not rearranging, but enhancing our physical appearance is never going to give us what we're really longing for on the deepest level. Yes, it's great. It's great, right? With eating healthfully and moving your body daily, it is life enhancing. There's no doubt about it. But when you're doing it from a place of self-hatred, uh, lack, fear, all you're doing is reinforcing that you're not enough. I'm so fat, I have to go work out. I, they'll, they'll never love me. I better go on a diet. I can't do that. I better change the way I look. I'm never going to get the person or the job or the thing. Let me buy it, get a new hairstyle, a new, new clothing. And, and we do it. We all do it. And it really doesn't give us what we're actually really looking for. It really doesn't. And we have so confused uh, what we're so confused about what love is. We are thinking that love is conditional. I'll love myself when I'm hit this weight. I'll love my life when I have that person in my life. I'll love my job when I get this amount of money. I'll feel confident when, I'll feel happy when. And we, everybody knows this. Everybody knows this. I'm not saying anything new, but we don't live as if that's true. There's one thing to know it, and there's one thing to, to, to live as if that's true. And when we start really questioning, what is it that we really want? Why do I want that job? Why do I want to have that baby? Why do I want to find that person to love me? And if we can get down to what is the feeling you're longing for, what do you want to feel more of? What do you want to feel more? And to realize that you have the ability to activate to embody that feeling by thought alone right here right now right here right now just by thought alone you can activate joy you can activate love and now you're living from a place of abundance versus a place of lack and you're not trying to get the world to to serve you you're there now able to serve the world yeah you just like totally it was, I just kept smiling and nodding yeah. my head because it was like, yeah, like that's the whole, my podcast is called Claim It. And that's like, what I say is like, whatever it is that you're searching for, your joy, your worth, your value, your enoughness is not out there somewhere. It's not once I get this, have this, whatever. You have to claim mm -hmm. it every single day. It's up to you to claim your joy, mm -hmm. claim your worth, claim your value, claim your enoughness. Because even if it's right there and everybody's giving you that, you won't feel it unless you are claiming it for yourself and see, oh, yeah, I am worthy of this. I'm worthy of love right now. Even if you have like so much love in your life, right? You probably have had those times when you're like, you feel so loved and you're so supported, but you don't like still in this like self-loathing, I'm not enough stays because you have to be the one. Oh, I am worthy of this love. And it starts with you seeing that and having it for yourself. Ugh, we're all so obsessed and it's happened. It's constant and because the world is feeding it. So it's like a every moment remembering, oh, right, it's me. I have to see this right now. <laughs> like, why am I saying I have to get? And that's the thing. It wasn't like 
I will go do a speech one day and get a gel manicure. So it's nothing wrong with a gel manicure. But in my mind, I was like, why am I doing this? I actually don't want to go spend my time and money, but I'm focused on if I get that, that will make me feel more worthy of being heard and seen and that I have something valuable to say. So it was like, like asking the same when you were about to like the start with like the workout. I Yeah, like I still wanted to work out this week, but in my mind, when it came up to me, I it was like, I have to be really, ex- I have to lose like, and it was the weirdest thing because I hadn't had that mindset in so long, but like, oh, I'm going to be standing on stage in front of people. Like, so I better be in the best shape uh. this weekend. Not, but in like, yes, best shape, meaning like I did exercise this week for my mind, but not because how am I going to look on stage? Yeah. So that, you know, like, yeah, that shifting, you're about to go into that perspective of like, yeah, like, of course, eating well, taking care of yourself, working out is good, but why are you doing it? <laughs> is it because then people will think... I look this way, so I must be enough. Or because, oh, it makes me feel great. <laughs> it gives me energy. Yeah. Is it an act of love? Or an act yeah. Of or hatred, yeah. right? And that's the bottom line. Like, really. <sighs> really. And and I just had this conversation with someone. Like, how do I do this? Like, how do I do this? I was thin before, and now I'm not. And, you know, I want to love my body, but I actually don't. And I don't know what to do. And I just said, too, like, you have love confused, my dear. Working out, it doesn't mean, like, being a certain number, if you're waiting for that, it's like saying to your husband or your kids or your wife, you know what, unless you stop being a jerk, I'm not loving you. And, it, and we keep thinking that we're going to change our body or our life circumstances so that we can love them. But what we're realizing is we're not changing as human beings. The real exercise is to wake up and to start generating love first thing in the morning and gratitude first thing in the morning because we don't need a reason to feel joy. We don't need a reason to feel gratitude. And if we keep needing a reason, then then we're a victim. We're a slave to everybody else. We're a slave to our environment. We're a slave to our old habits. We're a slave. And we're not creating in order to be consciously creating, we have to wake up out of those unconscious thoughts that go on over and over. We have to get meta. We have to actually start turning our attention into the conversations, not the conversations, the constant chatter that's going on in our minds and look at it. And then we have to exercise our power to one, set the intention and elevate our emotion at the same time clear intention with elevated emotion so that we're creating the connection of the mind and body. I love this work from Joe Dispenza where he says there was a research program done where they got these expert people who are experts at praying. And yes, it's a skill, right? They're, they're experts at, at setting prayers and creating change through prayer. And they said, okay, the first thing that, that we want you to do is set an intention that you see this DNA unwinding or winding and that they got into this state and they set the intention and they saw the DNA either winding or unwinding. And when they looked back to get the results of that, of that experiment, what they realized was nothing changed. So then they said, well, okay, now what we want you to do is we want you to move into a state of compassion. We want you to move into a state of joy. We want you to move into this, this elevated emotion. And then they looked back and they said, did anything change? And they looked back, they said, no, nothing changed. 
So I said, okay, third try. Now we want you to see the DNA unwinding. And we want you to experience the feeling as if it was already done. So maybe it's gratitude or maybe it's, it's joy that the DNA unwinded. And that's when they saw that 25% of it, 25% of those results actually worked, that the DNA unwound because it's the thoughts are electric and the feelings are magnetic. And the thoughts with the feelings create an energy signature, creates the electric magnetic field. And that's how we influence change, but it has to be both. And people say, no, I do my gratitude journal every day. That's not the question. Writing the thoughts of gratitude are not going to do it. It has to be an experience. And that's why we have to really remember, you don't need a reason to feel joy or gratitude. You create, you create that reason and learn to elevate your state. Love, love, love that. Okay, let's get back to your journey. So how old were you when you discovered that exercise class? I'm like, I get to dance. And I was like 16. 16. And then like from that first class, were you just like, this is it? I was like, this is it. This is absolutely <laughs> it. And I wasn't even out of high school yet. And I started, my older sister was teaching classes. We lived in Silicon Valley. It was... um you know, the kind of place where there were all of these like fancy gyms and tennis clubs that were have that had aerobics classes. And I started teaching and she started teaching me how to teach. And I just said, that's it. And, and I barely went to college because I was like scheduling my teaching classes all around my, my studying classes. And I just, I just went for it and I started doing aerobics competitions and I started aerobics competitions. What even are those? Well, you create a routine and you do like a three minute aerobics routine and it's whoever's the best and the strongest. Wow. You know, you do it in singles, you do it in pairs, you do it in teams of three. And it was something very popular at the, at the time. Okay. So I make up. You started exercising, then became like teaching all these classes. It must have also very much changed how your body looked. Yes, it changed how my body looked, but also because I was binging and purging at the time, using diet pills and exercising up to eight hours a day. So it was it w- it went to the extreme, and then I moved to New York City from Silicon Valley, and packing classes. Um, was heralded as the best instructor of New York City over and over and over again. I was teaching internationally. I had wow. a TV show. I mean, like if you think about for me, was doing videos, workout videos. Like I was living my dream life as a fitness professional, but I was depressed. I um, was hiding out. I was really a freaking mess on the inside. Plus my weight would go up and down and up and down because nothing I was doing was sustainable. And I was doing a TV show. And one day the producer, executive producer came in and and commented on my body, like commented that, that, that I was gaining weight. And I was in such literal shock that I actually don't know what he said besides that initial comment. And I went home that day and went about crystal meth because that was going to be my new diet aid because I didn't know what else to do. I had already been using crystal meth as a way to annihilate my hunger. And I was going to say, so 
I want to go back a little bit into like, so you got into fitness, then we're like teaching it like crazy, lost weight naturally, I'm sure. Well, first, what do you mean by naturally? The well, meaning like, yeah, that's a good question. So anyway, you started to lose a lot of weight. Were you, then did, it, did the losing of the weight start to then make you, or wait, you were already always on diets from your mom. So your way of eating must have always been a it was little always bit. always on off diets. Diets are, are like restrict, binge, right. restrict, binge. Right. You know? Right. Now I'm going back with my own journey too. Like, right. It's all just going from one certain type of diet to another or like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever. And then, oh, now I'm bad. I need to go back on a diet or whatever. So, right. Like I'm trying to go back with my own, like, right. That's how it works. Cause then you're always like, so then, so you would, did you ever get to a weight or like, this is it. I feel great. And then like the fear of gaining weight, is that what kept propelling these like bidging, purging and stuff? Well, there's no there, first of all, right? So if you're doing something that's unsustainable, that's (laughs) unsustainable. So if yeah. I'm working out five hours a day and eating under two, under a thousand calories, like it's not sustainable. So of course. But that's what I'm saying. Even when you were doing that, did you ever feel like this is it? I feel great. Or you were pretty much always living in the fear of. No, I never got to the place of this is it. This is great. Even when I was doing my aerobics competition and I hit my lowest weight, which was 140 and I'm ripped and I have abs showing and short shorts and bra top. Like already I thought I was still too fat. Like I was embarrassed that I was still too fat. And, um, (sighs) my fear was, I know this isn't going to last because how I got here is unsustainable. So it was a constant pride shame loop, right? Like, okay, I got here, but pride was never long lasting because there was so much shame about how I got there. Plus I'm a fitness wow. person. Plus I'm waving the flag of health and well-being. And the way that I'm getting there, because my mantra was, I'll be thin at any cost. And I was, I was be fine th- wow. to be that cost to be my life. And that was no wow. joke. It makes me cry. Yeah, making making me cry. And then also, so you're you're living your life like that, and then you're standing in front of rooms of people. I'm standing in front of right rooms of people. I'm motivating them. You're the model for them, and I'm guessing that they're coming up to you and being inspired by you because you look amazing. They're probably so inspired by you, right? Well, they're inspired by me, and then they're also what you. Go ahead. They're also wondering, like, my weight's going down and my weight's going up and my weight's going down and my weight's going up. And I'm like in freaking shame spiral constant, constantly. And thinking like, what is fucking wrong with me? Like, why can't I just do it? Why can't I just stay on this freaking diet? What is wrong with me? And so my constant question was, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And really, really, really with my whole heart and soul thinking, if I just stay at this weight, there'll be nothing wrong with me. There'll be nothing wrong with me. There'll be nothing wrong with me. But it's impossible. And there's so, and in the diet industry, it's such a great industry because it's the only industry that if it doesn't work, you blame yourself. You don't blame the freaking diet. Oh, yeah. God. But there's so much research now that when you restrict, 
It's impossible. People think they're sugar addicts. They're not sugar addicts. It's the restriction of the sugar that causes them to act like an addict. Right. It's the restriction because the pendulum swings. I spent the first 30, I'll say 30 years of my life thinking something was wrong with me, really wrong with me. Okay. So back to your on your TV show, producer makes a comment about your weight. And so you immediately go to like, what can I do next to like, I'm like, this is like, obviously. So Kristen, I, Matt, I don't obviously have the answer. Obviously I don't have what it takes to keep my body this way. Obviously I don't have enough discipline. I don't have enough willpower. There's something wrong with me. And so I had, I just real, and my mantra was thin at any freaking cost because my life depended on it because my job depended on, it. I wanted to be the queen of it all. I really did. And I wanted to prove that, you know, weight loss can be sustainable. Here I was probably 220 pounds at my max. I'm down. I've lost 70 pounds. I've kept it off for 10, 15 years. I'm one of the top of the one tenth, 1% of people that actually do it. So I thought that gave me some credibility too. But I was just in a mess of a mindset. You know, you're in the tank, you're in the water. You don't even see what all the problems are. And I went and bought that crystal meth. And I was like, it's either this or I have to go back to just my dreams have to get small again because I know I can't have the dream that I want with a bigger body. I'm in the fitness industry. Nobody's going to like take advice from a fat person on how to get thin. And I thought that was the goal, right? So it's extremely like terrifying. And I remember sitting on my bed and the crystal meth in my drawer and crying, but then having some, I don't know, moment of grace or insight where I was like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one that's failing. It can't be my problem. Why are so many millions of people who are just like me? I want it. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm certainly not weak. I'm like top three in the world fitness level, top three in the world fitness level. You're going to tell me that I'm not fucking strong enough. There's a piece here that's missing that nobody's talking about. And F that I'm figuring it out because this is not just about me anymore. This is about the millions of people who go on a diet three and four times a year, who feel like losers, who feel like something's wrong with them, who feel like they have failed and who feel like they're just simply not lovable because of the size and the shape of their body. And I, that's when my whole life turned around and I said, this isn't about me anymore. And that was the saving grace was when I realized it wasn't about me trying to be seen as this ideal body so that I could get people to like admire me. But it was really about figuring out the missing piece that would help all of those people that have been feeling like a failure really realize that it wasn't them that's wrong. It's the recipe that was wrong. And then I just, 
I did a lot of research and a lot of studying and tried to figure out what that missing piece was. Wow. So that, that was like you you went and bought the crystal meth and then that happened that night of like, yeah, like looking at that, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Wow. So did you then continue with the TV show or did you leave? To well, now I continued be... with the TV show. Yeah. But I you, continue... okay. I was just saying you continue with the TV show and then you're having these insight like, okay, things need to change. I'm looking into it. I'm researching, but you're showing up for the TV show and still doing that there for a while. Yeah. And the TV show ended not long after that. Uh, I don't remember the time frame of that. And then it actually, cause it was on a, it was on a, a station called FX and then it moved to Fox. So it did get picked up, moved to Fox. And then I was, I was a contributor on that as well for a while. Um, and then the show ended, but it was, um, it really was a game changing point for me. And it was when I started really studying, like, why is change so hard? And I still was in the mentality of um, the initial thought was, how do we lose the weight and keep it off? Right. So it was still diet, it was still body mentality. But once I started diving into the research, um, I really started to realize that it was not the behaviors that needed to change, but the identity, like how we see ourselves, because identity drives behavior. Identity drives behavior became my mantra, right? I'm fat drives behaviors to reinforce that. I'm not good enough drives the behaviors that reinforces that. So we don't think, we think still that we have to change. This is coming back to that whole thing. Like if I lose weight, I'll be good enough. If I make the money, I'll be good enough. But our identity doesn't change when the outside world changes. The identity change has to be a shift where you actually start to rehearse new thoughts. You have to learn to generate emotions, elevated emotions that are different than your habitual ones. Like you have to get meta. You have to actually start turning your awareness on yourself and start to understand that the language that you use is what's creating your identity and then actually interrupt old patterns of thinking and old patterns of feeling and start gener generating the way that you want to think and the way that you want to feel so that that inspires those new behaviors. And that's how it becomes sustainable because you're changing at the level of identity and you're getting off autopilot. But that really requires that you do a lot of exercising and that's not physical exercise. So I believe it has to be, if you really want that kind of change, if you really want what you really say you want, it requires that you set aside time most days and you actually become the person that you start your day as the person you choose to be. Love and that. it's done. I mean, it's absolutely possible, but you really have to think in new ways. You have to contemplate new behaviors. You have to explore new ways of being so that you make your brain work differently. Because when you, the way that we think and the who we are as an identity is a pattern in the brain right? So until we start interrupting, oh, I don't say that to myself anymore. Oh no, I don't do that anymore. I used to be blah, blah, blah. I used to procrastinate and we start really causing our brain to work in different ways. Then we really start to change because we're no longer on autopilot and we're firing our, wiring our brain in new ways. And at first it feels like effort and it is effort. 
But then as the brain fires and wires in new ways and you get the thoughts with the elevated emotion and that brain starts to literally change, then you start emerging as the person, not because the world tells you you've changed, but because you're telling the world you've changed. Yes, absolutely. God, I love you so much and how you how are you saying everything? Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption and tell you about or remind you about of some of the many ways I have available to support you beyond this podcast. The first one being my daily inspiration app. You can get it in the Apple app or Google Play Store. It's only a one-time purchase of $3.99 and it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to empower and inspire you. You can come to the app at any time, swipe through the cards, it's like a digital card deck, or hit show me a card. I just got, I am open to the possibility of everything turning out even better than I can imagine. I mm, love that. You can hit the heart to save it. You can go up into the three lines at the top and hit daily and set a time so that every single day you'll get a reminder to go check the app because, you know, we forget to do the things that we love. I got another one that says, you don't have to push the icky feelings away. You can sit with them. They won't hurt you. If you really look at them, if you really listen to them, they may actually heal you. So, so many thoughts and affirmations. I have my products. Go to shop.yourjoyologist.com. There is the Own Your Awesome actual card deck there. But also my current favorite is the Daily Connection Journal. It has these easy guide prompts to come and ask yourself every day or whenever you remember to use it, let's be honest. Um, And it's just such a great way to get connected to yourself and to be taking steps to acknowledge yourself daily, to celebrate yourself. Because we all know how journaling is so great for us, but it can be a block to actually do it. So you have these prompts that you can do in just a couple minutes minutes every day that really do get you thinking. I also offer coaching. I have a couple spots coming up to open up for one-on-one coaching. I go deep with my clients. Uh, I love therapy and I think it's great. And a lot of people that work with me tell me that by working with me, they get more work done. They have more ahas, healings, insights, move forward more in their life in the six weeks with me than they have in years of therapy. And I don't think that has anything to do with the therapist not being good or whatever. It's the way that I work with people. It's very intensive. We have one hour calls every week, but we are also in touch every single day. I am texting you, you are texting me, so that I can actually work with you through the obstacles that come up, your doubts, your fears, these conversations you're afraid of having, and keep you in integrity with what you are trying to accomplish. Whether you have some external goal or you're just like, why don't I feel like I'm enough? Why can't I really feel joyful? Why am I struggling in my relationships? So some people come to work with me with a clear intent. Some people even have like, I want to start this business and I work with them in a more business focused way. But a lot of people just are not feeling super great in their lives. And they know that there is more potential for them to do that. And with six weeks of working with me, it's a big big, huge shift in a way that they're able to carry out after the six weeks. So check that out. You can DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman. Go to yourdrologist.com and go to backslash coaching. 
All right, let's get back to the amazing episode. then get to like real what was the work that you did how did you go about trying to and at first you said you were still focused on the body but it's obviously moved way beyond that how did you then move to that and like I said get to then where the next point where I saw you was leading movement classes but with the affirmations in that where where'd you go from there to there and I guess there was a lot of work you had to do on yourself to get from there to there yeah (laughs) and still do we all still do. Well, here's what I well, here's what I realized. I started probably the first year after that. I went to like every Tony Robbins thing. I went to Fiji. I went to Deepak Chopra's thing. I went to Landmark. I went to every personal development thing and read literally, I would read four books a month, five books a month, six books a month, and just like notes and journals. Like I have stacks of journals. And I was gathering information and get inspired. I was like, oh my God, change is possible. But then I realized the link from information to integration was not natural, right? Information doesn't change us, does it? Like there's so many books out there and information doesn't change us. And so I was literally at... um, a Tony Robbins event. First, I, ha- I was with Deepak Chopra where he was like, your subconcept, right? Your subconcept is what you live into. Everything you say after I am becomes your destiny. Everything you say after I am becomes your destiny. Your, con- your subconcept, your identity becomes your world. And you can change your identity, but it requires, it requires a, a consistent practice. And then I was at a Tony Robbins event where he was talking about how do we create a state, a peak state, an elevated state. And he called the peak performance triangle, that it's a combination of your focus, your language, and your physiology, right? So what are you focusing on? What are you speaking? And what's your physiology? Shoulders back or shoulders forward, smile or down? And you can activate a state. And he called incantations, he called them incantations, right? Incantations are, you're not just saying every day and every way I'm better, better, every day and every day with a timer on. You're like moving, you're like pumping every day and you're emotionalizing and you're, you're embodying it. And so we're on the beach and we're all marching together and we're all going every day and every way I'm better and better every day or all I need is within me now, all I need is within me now. All I need is send me now. And we're all marching on the beach and there's like hundreds yeah. of us and we're like doing this movement wow. and marching. And I go, oh, oh my God, that's it. I'm going <laughs> to complete my workout expertise with language to create a way that people can really upgrade their self-concept. So we use the body to change the brain versus the other way around. Love. So, so exercise now has a new intention, right? It's not a weight loss tool. It's a subconcept generator. So we're reinventing ourselves. We're not just changing our body. It's literally an action of reinvention by exercising the power and the privilege that we have to choose the way that we think and to choose the way that we feel. And people think, I, I ask this in class all the time, raise your hand if you believe your thoughts matter. Raise your hand if you believe what you think impacts how you live. 
how many of you woke up today and created your day? Like nobody. And say, because it's not because it's not because you don't know that as a concept. It's because you don't really believe it. Mm. Because if you really believed it, you wouldn't let half the crap that's in your head stay there. It's you don't believe it. You really don't believe it. And so, you know, if you believe, you now know, if you jump off that building, there's only one direction you're going. (laughs) You don't jump off the building. That's the knowing I'm talking about. And that comes through practice. That comes through getting familiar with. That comes from experience. It doesn't come from information. It comes from experience. It must be experience. And that's when I came up with Intensati and it's, it's evolved in so many ways. And it's been now 15, I don't even know, that was in 2002, (laughs) I created it. Yeah. I love that all so much. And it is, it's so like, there's, it's so great and easy to take in information. You can listen to the podcast. You can read all the books. You can love and share stuff on Instagram and you can be inspired. You can be inspired by that stuff, but are you actually taking the action to apply those things to your own mind and life is where I'll, there's a lot daily. of disconnect. Yeah. Daily. So daily. Yes. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm up on stage char- sharing about this. Let me tell you about all the ways I've judged myself today into getting on stage. <laughs> like, But it's like, but the awareness, oh, this is me. What am I believing right now? And that's what it is, is that what am I believing about myself right now? Am I really believing I'm not worthy unless I do this, look like this, whatever? And it is like, and that's work every freaking day to be, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Because I feel like these judgments, these thoughts, these doubts, these fears, no matter how much success, money you have, been, whatever, they're going to come up. They're going to come at you from the outside world and from the inside world, but you can stop and say, is this really what I believe? Is this really what I want to believe? Because, yeah, there's some truth in those thought judgments of ourselves. And then, like, for me, it's that simple asking, is this what I want to believe about myself? No. <laughs> what do I want? And then for me, that's then creating the affirmation. But I so love because it is I'm always trying to figure out I've been doing this for so long and it's still struggle. Like, it's still something we have to constantly work at applicable tools for how can people do that and be actionable that what you're saying like movement which everybody is already like I'm supposed to move my body and moving my body feels good but we also like oh whether if you are getting into movement for the how you look aspect of it then yeah they come in your class and you're saying those things you have there's no way you can't be transformed in that class taking it out of the class is still another step but I can't even yeah it's like the power of that it's so, I just love what you created so much. And that for me, it is like for sure an amazing way to make that be a part of you actually changing the way you're thinking about yourself. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you can see, like, especially when it's a new group of people, not always, but, but um, often, you know, people roll their eyes or they're like, oh, please. And I'm like, you know why you're rolling your eyes is because the program that you're running doesn't agree with the program that I'm asking you to run, right? And so it's just evidence that the reason this doesn't sit well to say I'm powerful beyond measure, I'm stronger than I think, I'm braver than I seem, I'm blessed with all I need, I am enough, I have enough, gratitude is my new attitude. Like the reason those things don't 
sit well is because you don't have the receptor sites for that. You have, you're, you're taking, it's taken up with so much negativity that you're rejecting anything that's positive because it doesn't, it's not familiar. So when you gag at positivity or you gag at something like that, it's because it's so foreign to you. So I always say, you know, it's going to feel uncomfortable first. It's going to feel really awkward. Then it's going to feel mechanical. And then it's going to feel empowering because you're going to start to kind of feel a shift. And then it's going to become your identity. But you have to know that there's stages of that. There's stages. And just be with the awkward for a little while. And then just be with the mechanical for a little while. But if you do it over and over, you'll start to feel the power of it. You'll get glimpses of the shift that you're creating, the veil that gets lifted, the new perspective that you start to, to appreciate. And then it will become a new identity. But you, you have to really actually reinforce it. Yeah. I even, I'm pretty sure when my friend told me to go to that class, and like I said, I was into affirmations. I had already knew the power of them. I was already creating my own and sharing them with the world. Even me was, has, had hesitation about, I'm going to stand in a room of people mm-hmm. and be exercising in-group fitness, which is one thing, and then be saying these affirmations about myself that that is uncomfortable, even for someone now. Like even today, I think I would Mm -hmm. have a little bit like, because it is embedded in me. That first of all, are you telling me I'm allowed to go tell, say this about myself in front of other people? Like, you know, like there's some, we are just natural. Like I still, I have an affirmation app. I did a speech this weekend on, you know, like, and there's this inside thing. but. It's again, it's like because I'm so used to doing the work, then I can go to, oh, Trisha, this is you. This is a fear of you not being worthy. This is a fear of you're not allowed to believe in yourself. This is a, you know, you're judging yourself that maybe you're allowed to say affirmations and believe in your own home, but not out in the world. And that's like my Uh affirmation deck itself is own your awesome, which is so uncomfortable. I still somewhat hate this phrase, own your awesome. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh Because awesome to me feels like, Uh oh, like. Can even to me who created the phrase and trademark it and have it on everything that that's still some hard for me to step into. Yeah. To not even yeah. own who you are. Sometimes I'm like, own your greatness feels better. Own your awesome feels more uncomfortable, which is why I have to use it. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good way to think about it is that, you know, everything that the way that we think and, the, and our identity is, is passed on, right? It's a program. And because when we're young, up until five or 11, it changes a little bit, but we're in a brain state where we're just downloading, 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 downloading. Our analytical mind isn't set yet. We don't have a way to refuse or to say, is that true, mom? Is that really the way? Like, we don't have that. So we're just literally downloading. And think of it as a program versus an identity, right? A program. And so what we're doing with the movement combined with the affirmations is we're actually reprogramming. So when you think of it as just you're reprogramming, you are through repetition. When when your thoughts are repetitive, they become your unconscious thoughts. And that's the goal, right? To embody so that it becomes an experience. And then that's how we create the new programming. And we can be the programmer instead of thinking of ourselves as just a slave to the program. 
I love that. And I didn't prepare you for this at all, but I was just thinking, like, could you think of like one of your favorite, like, uh, you know, you had just said one earlier of like an incantation or one of the things that you use in one of your programs. And like, is there like something if someone's listening, like a simple movement they can do along and like say that phrase? I totally didn't um, prepare you for just like even thinking like, oh, you know, like you're waving your arms or jump up and down no. or, and say this. No, no. It's this is like my life. basically. Exactly. I'm like, life. I didn't prepare you, but I'm pretty sure you know what you're doing. If I ask you, I think, <laughs> I, you know what I think is the one that um, the one that I think is most important mm-hmm. is an identity shift. And I think if people started their day with their hand on their heart and literally said, I am the creator of my reality with my thoughts, my words, and my actions, I define my destiny. So, so it really is a waking ourselves up out of victim mentality and really just like you can do it in an excited way, your hands up every day, or you can be like, um, I am, I'm the creator of my reality with my thoughts, my words, and my actions, I define my destiny. And then you can say your affirmation, like I am enough. I have enough. I am grateful today. What I want is on its way. The only thing you don't even have to have a specific move. The thing is to move. How does joy move? How does gratitude move? How does confidence move? And make it up yourself. I created a whole library because I want to bring people together. And when you move in unison, there's an element that actually gets charged in that. But that's not required. Make up your move of confidence. Make up your move of gratitude. Make up what move for you is happy. Dancing around the room to your favorite song while you're saying, no, I am enough. I have enough. Immense gratitude is my attitude today, no matter what, right? Like any affirmation that rings true to you, but you've got to remember that you're not just like moving furniture on the Titanic, right? You're getting off the boat. You're getting off the ship. You got to get off the ship because that one's going down. So if that stays as your, as your operating system, you're going to move the furniture all you want. You're going to lose the weight all you want. You can, it's never was about your body and it never is going to be about your body. It's not about your bank account. It's not about who you're with. It's not about your kids. Your whole life is determined by the language that you use. Your entire our world is created by words. Our world is created by words and we don't really value the privilege it is to be able to change that. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of them don't even like pay it like we pay attention to our thoughts enough to believe in them but not to realize yeah oh wait I don't have to believe this what am I telling myself to even be able like you're allowed to question your thoughts like it's amazing as much work as work as you've done you'll probably still have some shitty negative thoughts but you don't have to believe in them (laughs) and that's where for me it's like you then for me that's the key to pay attention to what am I telling myself what do I want to believe? And then I create my affirmation from that. But that's, there's so many amazing affirmations out the world. You're putting them out. I'm putting them out. There's, they're everywhere. But the most powerful shift for me is that I get to see, you know, like, oh, this is me again, telling myself I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. What do I want to believe? I am worthy. Or like, oh, I, this is me telling myself that I'm only going to be worthy of being seen if I look a certain way. What do I believe? I'm worthy of being heard and seen no matter what I look like. Mm-hmm. Then, so then, I am worthy of being heard and seen no matter what I look like today, no mm-hmm. matter what I look like on Sunday when I'm standing on that stage. I am worthy of hurting. So that that's for me the big thing is catching 
oh, what am I saying? What do I want to believe? And then turning it into the now tense affirmation. Yeah. And I would just just really remind people too is the language needs to be paired with the elevated emotion. And that's why the movement is so key, right? Yeah. It's the emotion that gives it the, the charge. So I love this, the teaching from Joe Dispenza, where he reminds us that our thoughts are electric and the feelings are magnetic. So the thoughts are what go out, but the feelings are what determines what comes back. And that changes our lens. And so that's why any movement that like really can, a- any movement that you enjoy and use it as a break, right? To interrupt. It's a yeah. pattern interrupt, right? Our thoughts are patterns. So you do a pattern interrupt. That means sing a song. That means jump up and down. And if you're doing it with the intention to interrupt that pattern, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when you, when the when the weather changes, when we move into fall, the trees start to prune their branches so that the new ones can come to life. Our brain does the same thing. So every time we interrupt the negative, the brain prunes itself because we're not using it anymore and it lays tracks for the new, but we got to mm-hmm. like be intentional about it. No, I love that. Because again, for me, I'm so like used to that. So it's probably easy for me to call myself into that affirmation and see that. But for people that aren't, then like that makes it be like, oh, wait, this is something I actually want to believe in that. Okay. So like it's creating more intention of let me move my body while I'm saying this. That for Mm. me, it's even if even if you don't have to believe that the movement helps, it's like you're creating another phase. Like I want to believe this. So I'm going to also add this you know, like movement with it to like Mm -hmm. really be like, wait, this is something I want to believe. So let me do some work on believing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And a belief is just a thought you think over and over and over again, and that we don't question. So as soon as you question a belief, you start to, to, to weaken it, right? A question, a belief is something that you don't question. So if a belief is limiting, then question it. Just like you said, you just said that. I love it. Okay. And so where we've left off is you are now leading Intensati classes. Anything else like from there in your evolution of being who you are right now? Because that also was quite a while ago. And I know you do. You still have the Intensati with the movement, but you're definitely speaking and sharing more. And like, has there also been other journeys yourself? And like I said, like, oh, I'm so great at this. But also there's constantly these struggles of calling myself into it, like the doubt and worry and stuff that you still faced or faced after you. That also, too, was that a bit hard thing to be like, now I'm coming back or maybe you never left the fitness world when you created it and now I'm doing this thing. What will people think of me or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, when I created it, uh, what I was, I think what I was most popular for was having really hard classes, right? I'm in New York City. We're talking type A people. Uh, I'm a aerobics champion. Like I loved intensity, right? I really loved it. And, and those were the people that I attracted. So I thought if I still give them the intensity, if I promise to fulfill what you came for, I'm going to add this other piece that I'll be okay. Right. And I did that, but people were not having it. They did not want to speak out loud. They were rolling their eyes when I kind of would come up to talk. And I finally had a talk come to Jesus moment with them at the beginning of the class. And I said, because I had heard the manager said that the, some of the comments were that I shouldn't talk so much in the beginning of class. Cause I was, I was teaching it like I would teach a yoga class, right? Like a Dharma talk in the beginning, right? This is what the science says, or this is what the la 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 la, but they weren't having it. 
Uh, yeah, they're but, there to, I'm just here to work out, lady. <laughs> so they would show up to class and the class was packed, but they weren't doing the piece that I thought was essential. So I just said, listen, I have a lot of classes on the schedule. There's like 11 classes on the schedule and you can take any one of those classes. But if you're going to take this class, you have to do this class as it's designed. Or I'm going to ask you to please just go to another class. We could still be friends, but here's what I believe that nothing can change until you change the way you think. And then I shared, like I had 15 years of an eating disorder. I've been binging and freaking purging all my life. I used crystal meth to try. I was not healthy in any way. So if you want to keep your focus on your body, I'm still going to teach those other classes, but I will tell you, there's nothing that helped me change my life like this work. So if you're in, I'm going to ask you to be all in. And if you're out, wow. that's fine. We can still be friends. And that was really a turning point. Wow. Was that just that in was, itself scary to do, I'm sure? Well, I or was At this point, you were just like, I know what matters. No, I was really scared. And every time I taught, I was really scared. I literally would cry before class because I was like, they're going to hate me. And then there was part of me that was like, fuck, this is really the answer. So the war was real. But when I got that message from the manager, it pissed me off. And it, I got pissed off enough that I was actually able to say that. So it, it moved me up the emotional scale because before I was just scared. But getting pissed off gave me enough of the energy to be like, this is it. Yeah. And it was enough to turn a lot of people around, enough people that it created enough momentum that when a new person came in class, there was enough group energy that people were on board that when the person came in, they'd be like, oh, it must be okay to do this. Look at all these people doing this. Right. You it know? gave them that permission of like, this is awkward, but okay, everybody else is doing it. So I, yes. I'm, I will try it. Yeah. Wow. And I'm sure yeah. you sharing yeah. a, and really opening up about your story was like, oh, eyes and mouth probably opening up because these people are looking at you. She teaches the hardest classes in New York. Look at her. And then they're like, oh, shit, what? We're chasing this impossible dream, that exactly. this impossible thing. And this woman that we <laughs> like, put it, so that must have changed so many people's. And then, yeah, did you have any pushback from the gym? Throughout Not the journey, gym, because the classes were packed. Okay. And that's really all they cared about. But a pushback was constant, constant. Every place that I would go, they'd be like, oh, our people don't like that. I said, just let me try. I hear that 99% of the time because it feels so uncomfortable, even as a manager, to say, we're endorsing this. I just say, everybody says no first. If 99, except for if I'm going to like Unity Church, where they already do affirmations, or IIN, which I like, I just went yesterday to a room of a thousand people, and everybody was on their feet, but because they're already in that world. Yeah. But in the fitness world, that's not the scene, and it's awkward for a lot of people. Really, really, really awkward. And so what do you do to be able to keep making those asks, just keep remembering your own? story and journey with it. Yeah. Like, well, this is important. I don't feel awkward anymore Good. because I know the length, I know how to, um, I know how to turn people around because I can give them the right information at the beginning that has them actually really be able to claim their power and understand what we're doing is beyond affirmations, right? Yeah. It's beyond affirmations. It's really stepping and people still go through the stages. 
that I just have come to realize that there are the stages and I've come to realize that I need to tell people about the stages. Yeah. And that awkward is inevitable for most people. Even yeah. you, right? Like you're saying, yeah. here I am writing these cards, but to be in a group of people doing it yeah. is another level. Yeah. It's another level. So it's okay. You can be awkward. It's really okay. But awkward is what causes the change. That's the That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like the discomfort is always like then where you're like, oh, like on the other side of discomfort is so much bliss. Yeah. Like in so many different ways. Putting yourself out there, trying something new. It's like, what? And then oh, okay. I didn't know this was possible. <laughs> yeah. And I like what you said. The awkward is the awkward is necessary because you're not in your identity, right? If you are doing, if you already know how to ride a bike and play the piano and all those things, but if you're starting to learn how to do computer programming or something else, there's always awkward. Always. Yeah. You're like unlocking or un breaking down like part of, yeah, this stuff that's within you that you don't even know even yeah. sometimes why it's there or what it is. Yeah. And <laughs> discomfort, that's discomfort. <laughs> and that's really the importance of the book from the, of like the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. You know, growth mindset says if I practice, there will be this awkward stage, but I can change. Fixed mindset says I have to be perfect. And if I have to put effort, that means something's wrong with me. Right. So if you have a fixed mindset, you're saying, I just need to change my body and I change the outward circumstances. And if it's hard or if it's awkward, that means I shouldn't do it. But growth mindset means no, like if I, I can accomplish anything and it needs practice and it requires being uncomfortable, now the whole world is open to me. Yes. Okay. Last thing, I, don't, I didn't even ask you if you would want to talk this, but I feel like... Yeah. So you are married to a woman and you have three beautiful children together. Was that, did you already always know your sexuality or did you have any sort of things with that journey to come up? I am straight, so I obviously don't know that journey, but I make up a lot of people. That's because that's not what everyone says is this yeah. way. Yeah, I think we need a whole podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm but, like, oh, last last note. <laughs> yeah, well, what my journey is not a straight line journey. It didn't end up straight either, but it, it was, <laughs> I dated, oh, I'm glad you got that. Um, I dated men and then I had a seven-year relationship with a woman. And then I went back to dating men because that woman heart broke my heart. And then I was five years in really trying to figure out I really wanted to get married. It came the time of my life where like the clock was ticking. I need to get married. I was only dating men. And I didn't realize that the reason I was so um, determined to find a man was because the only person that had ever really hurt me and that I'd been in love with was a woman. So I linked, I linked pain to relationships with women. And so this is really interesting. I'll tell the story quickly. But I was at that point where like, I, I must birth a child. Like, this is part of my purpose. It must be. It will be. I don't know how it's going to be. And I was like dating, dating, dating. And it was like just like a crazy time in my life where it was awful, horrible. And I started to have the thought like, nobody wants me. Like I'm, I'm older, really. Nobody's going to pick me. Nobody wants me. Like it was a real fear. Like it was a deep sadness and fear. And I started, I wanted to change that perspective. So instead of thinking- Was that when you were on the already like the affirmation intensity journey too? 
Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So you were living into this, knowing your beliefs and all of that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was like, I was deep in it. I was being coached. I was being, I was in programs. Like I was full immersion. My life's been a full immersion into this stuff. And, um, I really believe that the best way to teach is through, through experience, right? Like speaking conviction happens when you actually have been through it. And so, um, I decide that I have to shift because I'm in such a state of fear about this that I decide to start writing letters. And I, instead of just writing a list of all the attributes and the characteristics that I want, I started, I decided to create the vision that there was actually somebody out there in the world who was as desperate to find me as I was to find them. I actually just, I did think it was going to be a guy and, um, I, I would go to Starbucks literally every single day before my class and I would write letters to the one, I know you're out there. I know you're looking for me. Please don't worry. I promise I'll find you. And when we find each other, we're going to have the best life. We're going to have kids. We're going to travel. Uh, we're going to support each other. I know you're looking for me. My love, don't worry. I promise you, I will find you. And I know you're looking for me. And I would do this over and over. And the one line that I kept rewriting was, and when we find each other, we will recognize each other. We will recognize each other and we will both know. And I would do this over and over and over again. And I didn't realize that my wife was doing a similar thing in her life where she was literally praying, saying, I have everything in my life. I need to find the love. I want to find the love. I want to find the love. And we live in New Jersey and she had taken a picture in the sunset, sunrise, and on this fo- the photo that she took when she looked at back at her phone, we have the Empire State Building in front of us. There literally was this red heart that showed up in the picture. And she was like, whoa. And that was the day she decided to come and take my class for the first time. So when she walked into class, I had a red marker and I drew a big red heart on the mirror. And I was like, if you really are looking for something, if something's important to you, go for it be the one that's going to create it. Like I had the whole story and she was like, wow, that was fast. And her version of the story is like, when she saw me, she was like, she's the one. Like it was like, boom for her, literally in like three seconds. Well, she asked me out eventually and I was like, no, 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 no. But when she really, I knew she liked me, but when she finally asked me out, I just remember saying no. And then I went home and I cried for two hours, like on the floor, curled up in a ball, literally heaving, like, like just the grief and the sadness and just, I didn't even make it in my, my, my bedroom, like on the kitchen floor, done. I was like, fuck, what was that about? But then what was super interesting was, well, what it was, was that was my grief about all the hurt that I had with the woman relationship before. It was just like, I had never processed that. And then I was going away for the weekend and my now wife texted me and said, have a great weekend. And I said, do you want to come? And she said, sure. And we're talking, we're driving there, we're talking, we're going to the Hamptons because I was teaching in the Hamptons and we get there. And as soon as we like get there and we put our bags down, I literally, literally within three seconds of arriving, look at her and go, oh, it's you? It's oh you? God. 
And she's like, I've been trying to get your attention. It's me. What the fuck? What the fuck is right? <laughs> In the best way. I was like, literally, what happened when I cried was I, re- I released all the blocks that were around my heart. Like the grief, I just moved it and it literally lifted a veil and the veil was lifted so that I could actually see her. And I really, what I love about that story so much, besides finding really the person I am privileged to live my life with, and I really mean that every 100%, was the process of shifting, why doesn't someone pick me? Do I know there's somebody there? and then focusing on helping that person versus helping myself, right? So that shift and then the the constant elevating of the emotion is what caused the crying so that the crying could actually move away all of the obstacles to actually be seen her because she had been in my life for a couple of months and was like knocking, knocking, knocking. I was like, no, no, no. Were you saying no because you were a female? Because she was a female in your mind. You said you thought it was a male, and you were holding on to all that hurt from the female. So, like, well, yeah, kind of. But my friends were like, "Why aren't you dating a woman? It's kind of weird that you're not." And I said, "Because I just don't feel like it. I don't feel it. I don't feel anything." But I wasn't feeling anything at all. Period. And so, I equated pain with women subconsciously none right. of this was conscious and so once i release all of the fear and the pain and the sadness i literally had my heart reopened and i could actually see her so even though you're like there. yeah and you're like every day hello someone's out there i'm ready for He's love i want it me. but that you're saying no to like i'm not even going to go on a date like, no, <laughs> like, you know, well, like, I didn't want to go on a date unless I felt like going on a date. Right. Right. Like was, no, I get I that. But I, was, yeah. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But the beauty of that is kind of like what you're saying, like, well, she was right in front of you. Like, how's that working? But the, the intention of it causes the healing so yeah. that it can be revealed, which is that's what I love. Sometimes the breakdown has to happen yeah. before the so. actually breakthrough before. And we think of the breakdown being a denial or we think of the breakdown meaning something's wrong, but most of the time it means something's right. Yeah. I love it. I'm always like, when there's like a hard moment, I'm always feel bad. Cause I'm like excited. Like, this is amazing. What's going to happen next? <laughs> or like, if it's somebody else in the like life going through like, Oh, they lost their job or break up, whatever. And I'm like, I'm here for you. And I'm also so excited. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> get away. I try to contain, I contain my shit. excitement now. <laughs> but no, that's what it's I'm saying. Like, yeah, I was bringing it up as like, even though you said no, and you're like, well, cause I didn't feel that. But it's like, even though you so like wanted that, there was parts of you didn't know that were blocking it off, but you're doing that work every day showing up. And then one day it all was like, Oh, here's all this stuff I was holding on to that I didn't know, but you were showing up every day, putting yeah. yourself like, you know, and, and you're creating the like, change. Oh. You're creating yeah. the change, right? Without that intention, maybe that healing wouldn't have happened. And I would have totally. been married to somebody that I just wanted to have get the baby done with, right. you know? And that it takes time, that even you were showing up every day and doing it takes that. time. And then the finally, it all the layers dropped at a point. Yeah. And it's not like, well, I've been doing this for like two weeks. So <laughs> or like, 
I wrote down, I wrote my letter. So where are you, person? Let's, you have to keep stepping into it. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Okay. I'm going to get to the questions I ask everybody. Ooh. <laughs> um, first of all, what is a go-to that you go to to raise your joy levels when you're feeling off? Not right. Maybe you got to go be in front of a class or something or whatever. You just had some, you're just maybe not feeling all lit up in your joy. What mm-hmm. is something you do to raise your joy levels? I think the first piece of that is I love this thing called rain. Have you heard of it? I, I learned it? it from Tara. It's called rain. I'm going to explain it to you. Uh, I learned it from um, Tara Brock, who is a, a teacher, a mindfulness teacher. Um, because here's what, because we tend to spiritual bypass, right? Let me go to joy. I don't want to feel this. Let me go to yes. joy. And that's spiritual bypassing, right? Prayers, affirmations, so that I don't have to get into the muck of it. But really, the access is being okay with where you are. And so, Rain, I suggest everybody write this down. And when you're feeling down, you do this. R, recognize how you're feeling. Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm worried. Allow it to be there, just like like you would allow if you're having a crying baby in your arms, right? You just allow it to be there and cry. And then I is investigate how it's living in your body, not the story of it, the actual physical sensation of it. My heart feels closed. My stomach hurts. My, my heart is, is racing. Like go into the body, body awareness completely. And then, um, so you're investigating, like, is my facial expression crunched up or my shoulders forward, just the curiosity, no judgment and no changing it. And then you say something nourishing, like, I got this. I got this. It's okay. It's okay. Just like you would with a crying baby, right? And what happens is that shift of awareness, that turning your attention on yourself gets you out of your head and into present moment reality, which gets you out of all of the craziness that's been triggered, which is a triggered pattern. And now the door is open for you now to elevate into joy, to move into joy now is then to see like, it's okay to say something nourishing. I got this. This is, this is all good. And then ask yourself the question, um, when am I at my best? When am I at my best? When do I feel the most joy? When do I feel the most gratitude? And then start to do more of whatever that is. Dancing, singing, calling a friend, affirmations, intensati, like really just start broadening your toolkit by asking when am I at my best and how can I do more of that? Yes. And I love that. I have a similar framework that I shared on a blog for Chalkboard Magazine and getting that. But yeah, so like then I'm getting to like, what is your things that get you to your best? Because like even like Today I'm really tired and my body hurts, so my joy levels are a little bit lower. So if I'm excited to talk to anybody, what is something I'm going to do to like, oh, right, I'm re- excited to be alive, which, yeah, dancing. Might be going outside and getting some fresh air. Yeah, for um, me, it's working out. Like, yeah. that's a must for me. I have to move my body. Yeah. I really, really like, and it did used to be fully weight-based intention. Like, I would freak out if I gained any weight, but now it really is very different. Like I need it. I need it. So I'm not crunchy. So I'm not stiff so that I can yep. feel like possibility again. So that's my number one reading yep. inspirational yeah. stuff where I can actually remember like a change is possible. Yeah. Um, 
music for sure. Meditation, breath work is super key for me. If I feel super stuck, breath work is my number one quick go-to because you can't always go do a workout. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm like, try to do like the things are like, oh, in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. What's like, um, will you send me a link for like a a certain breathwork thing you love? I'll send you a link for. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I love like, yeah. Shown it because people talk a lot about breathwork lately, and I love it. But I think there's a lot of people that may not know what it is. So I would love to like be like, here, yeah, um, for sure. Um, and Let I did some this down. weekend at that thing I worked out at. Uh, yeah, and also yeah, the same thing with fitness and moving my body because even too like I'm like I'm so tired and achy and sore today, so I just want to lay a couch. But I know if I just even go outside and walk for five minutes, I'm gonna do that after we talk. I'm gonna feel so much better. <laughs> But I feel great. I'm not saying I don't feel bad, but I also like, yeah, I'm damn, like have some stuff in my body today. But it can tell me like I just need to lay in bed all day. But really, if I like go take a walk or do five, even five minutes of yoga or five minutes of a walk. Yes, it's huge. It's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so I have this phrase. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you, obviously. But we so often go with what is easiest for us. (laughs) So can you think of a way? To apply this in your own life right now, like what is easiest for me is to do this. What is best for me is to do this. Like it's sometimes for me, like what is easiest for me to do is to sleep in until my kids wake up. Mm-hmm. What is best for me is to get up 30 minutes before them so I can stretch and like reset my day. Yeah, that's definitely one of mine for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really a big one. And what's easiest is to kind of just stay busy and not, not prioritize what requires the best of me and to do that first, right? Even if I don't want to do that first because I want to procrastinate or because I'm worried about doing that first. So what's easiest is to do what's easy, but what's best is to do what's hard. Yeah. So like, What's easiest, like, oh, let me reply to all this and do all these things. But what's best is like the biggest thing I really want to accomplish today, which is also the thing I'm pushing to the end because it scares me or like it feels hard. Yeah, do it. it'll free up the most energy if you do. Totally get that. I'm like getting on that too after we get up for the call. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now um, I'm gonna pull up an image of my keychains. They're just pictures of the designs and choose which of these phrases, not so much even which is your favorite, but like which reminder you feel like you most need in your life right now? Mm-hmm. All of them. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. Really today is let that shit go. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that yeah, coming right from? Right now, like I was away all last week. I did a retreat this past weekend. And I feel like the list of things that must get done, plus I have a bunch of things that haven't gone well, you know, when you think like things are going to go great and like conversations I've had, requests that I've made didn't go the way I wanted them to go. So, you know, when you have that knot in your stomach of like feeling bad, like, fuck, I wanted that to go well. It actually didn't go well. And letting that shit go is important. And also getting that part of the reason wasn't that didn't go well is because I didn't set it up well, right? The request that I made wasn't made in a way that took the other person into account, right? So I made a request and it wasn't a well thought out request. 
So I got a no where I was like, sure, I was going to get a yes because it was so great for all of us. And I left feeling sad, but I got to let that chick go and say, okay, I didn't present that in the full way that would have had that other person feel enrolled in what I was trying to enroll them in. Great. Yeah. It's like creating a different opportunity for yourself. Like, And also like that no is not a firm no. Let me revisit this in a way that to make them see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I got to let that shit go because right, let that shit go of what that, to that person. Right. You let that shit go of that. There may be an opportunity there or there might. Okay. Uh, so there's always so much to let go of. <laughs> okay. The final question. The name of the podcast is Claim It, which we've talked about already. Why it's Claim It. And that you've been saying over and over and over, which I love. I'm like, yeah, you're like the perfect it's like repeating all the messages I want to get across in different, amazing, different, better, not that I'm not going to say you're better, but like, yeah, like this amazing language you have in way of saying it. Yeah. Reinforcing what you already do. I'm on your team. team. Yes. We are on each other's team. So, but I'm going to say it again, since we've already said it so many times, it is up to you. You, Patricia, me, Trisha, you, every listener up there every single day. To claim your worth, to claim your joy, to claim your value, to claim your enoughness, to claim your success. To you choose what you're believing about yourself and that it's not out there somewhere. So, Patricia, what are you claiming for yourself right now? Mm, I am claiming that where I am is okay. It's good. Where I am is good right now. Like, even though there's like, a lot of shit that feels like it's down the toilet and, you know, kind of just like the story I told about my wife, like the breakdown first. So I keep reminding myself, I've been reminding myself the last few days of like, that doesn't mean delay does not mean denial. Delay does not mean denial. This might be the breakdown before the breakthrough. And so it's really, I'm really okay staying where I am and keeping my intention clear about where I'm going, but not hating where I am. So where I am, it's okay. It really is okay. I accept where I am. So I'm claiming that where I am is okay. You just said exactly. I was like, I was like, you keep saying, okay, that doesn't feel great. How about if you say, like in my mind, I was saying, what if you say, accept where I am? And then you said exactly it. (laughs) I was like, you can't see me out there, listeners, but I'm like, yay. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much. I seriously love you so much. I love you so much. Okay. And again, make sure to check out show notes links for the event. By the way, I didn't say when it is that event. The Soul Camp at Home is February 26th. So if you can't make it or it is already passed when you listen to it, you can also look up the link to donate to her family. Oh, and ongoing. So Patricia had, you know, empowered, inspired many. She had so many people working together with her. So you can still follow her legacy and her businesses are moving on at Intensati and at My Spiritual Fitness, are both social media accounts. Um, So yes, Intensati will carry forward. Um, Her work touched so many. She had many people working alongside with her. She had trained so many people. And um, so yes, that's why I'm so happy that she really does have a legacy that will live on and on and on 
in her spirit. I hope this conversation inspired you and empowered you in some way. Um, You know, for the final thought, (sighs) you know, I'm just going with the basic, but it's, I don't know why I'm calling it the basic, but it's like the boldest one is like, what are you claiming for yourself right now? And maybe it just be in this moment, or maybe it's like, what am I going to claim for my life? Because yes, the reminder with her passing that life is short and even, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to even the most powerful light-filled humans. Um, You just don't know. So what are you claiming for yourself right now?